the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 103 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at JustinHughes365, and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,300 members talking about baseball every single day of the year. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes by taking a few moments to leave us a five-star rating and writing a nice review. That is a good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On today's episode, Andrew is not here. He'll be back in a couple days for our next show when we get to part two of the outfielders. But right now, Rich Wilson from Prospect 361 and the Prospect 361 podcast is joining us. Rich just put out his top 100 prospects and a couple weeks ago put out his first year player draft rankings on the website. And I'm going to ask him about those questions, a few other questions I've got for him, and we sidebarred a few times also. That's all the plugs I got, and we'll just now go to the interview with Rich. Enjoy. I can honestly say that if it wasn't for finding Prospect 361 11 years ago, Baseball 365 wouldn't exist. And neither would the Baseball 365 podcast. I wouldn't be playing in Dynasty Leagues, I'm pretty certain. So a lot of credit goes to my guest here. And he is the founder of the website, host of the podcast, Rich Wilson. Rich, thank you for joining. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. And it's good to finally get it. We've had Tim on once or twice, and now we can get you on finally. That's, that's great. Thank you for the kind introduction. I'm sure you would have been as successful as you are today with or without us. So, uh, but I do, do appreciate the call out. No, I, I mean, a lot of our, uh, the community that has been built were all people that re- a, a big portion met through listening to your podcast over the last decade. Oh, so great. I, I mean, I really do think that you're a big part of the community that's been built here. Oh, that's great. I, I'm never on Facebook, not just, the 365 site, but just Facebook in general. I just never go. It got Facebook became so toxic. Yep. Uh, not that Twitter isn't. Toxic. <laughs> in fact, it might be might be more visceral than Facebook. Is at least there's people on Facebook that are your supposed to be your friends. But uh, I don't know. Social media, man, it, it wears you out. So uh, so in fact, I've had to take a break from Twitter over the last week or so. It just it just it literally wears me out. I think anybody, if you get any sort of a large group of any kind, and that because you've got a lot of followers, and if you have a large group, you're going to get negativity. It's just, it's part of what comes with it, and it's it's difficult. It's really difficult to have to steer through all that. Thank goodness for the great John Dean. <laughs> <laughs> He's wonderful. 
He never sends anything controversial. It's always his stupid memes that make me laugh. Yes. <laughs> so other than that, it's like, ah, that's not true. 99% of everybody is great. It's the 1% that uh, brings you down. It's kind of like a restaurant. You know, the you you remember the bad experiences more than the good ones. And I that's think that's true. very similar with social media. But the bad experiences, they spit on your food. So. <laughs> <laughs> the bad experience can be pretty bad. So, uh, But anyway, it's it's all good. It's all good. So I thought I'd do a couple of questions here. Um, we're having you on. You just put out your top 100 and your first year player draft ranks that I wanted to ask a little on, but just a couple quick questions that I've wondered, like when did you decide specifically to start playing dynasty leagues? So back in 2009, I don't know how I, I came to know Marcus Potter. Uh, Marcus Potter was on our show for a couple of years and then went off to do Broadway and all kinds. He was an actor and he was, he wanted to start up something called a dynasty league. And I saw his request and he goes, does any, anybody have rules? And I said, well, let's make up our own rules and let's create a, let's create a, a, you know, a league that we would want to play in. And that's what we did. He actually, he actually had a base of rules that we used, but we modified them greatly. And now, I mean, it appears to be, like everybody uses those rules. I mean, it just kind of spread virally. And now uh, there's a lot of people who have dynasty leagues all use the same rules that Marcus and I came up with 12 years ago. Yes. I can say that leagues I'm in, I know you helped them with their constitution and yeah, yeah, they're, they're wonderful rules. Most of them, both of my dynasty leagues play under pretty similar rules. So yeah, you've made a big impact you and Marcus on that. Yeah. So, so we, so we, we created this dynasty league. I didn't know anything about prospects. Uh, and I said, you know, I'm going to learn about this prospect stuff. That was 12 years ago. And, you know, I had some, I had a number of connections in baseball and they put me in touch with scouts and scouting directors. And I made friendships with them, paid them to help me paid us the appropriate four letter word to help me learn. And uh, it took about two or three years, and I then felt competent enough to start sharing, you know, the, what little wisdom I had learned. And then it's just grown over time with the scouting school. And, you know, then you start to know what the heck you're a little bit about what the heck you're doing. You know, that's one of the things that impresses me about your site and your write ups is how many connections you do seem to have. And you do get insight that a lot of other people don't get because you're able to talk to people on the inside. And it's, it's fun to hear. It's fun to hear those stories. I used to have a lot more, Justin. I mean, so many of the people have, are, are not in baseball anymore. It is remarkable what's happened to the scouting world. And it all started with the Astros like four years ago when they, they basically got rid of 80% of their professional uh, scouts uh, on the professional, the pro ranks. You got the amateur ranks, the international, the pro ranks, and they got rid of 80% of their pro rank guys and decided to go with all video scouting uh, and all through analytics, all done at their home base. It proved somewhat successful, and all the other teams copied it. And then COVID was the final nail in the coffin. And now it's it's hard to find scouts. And now you get the, the information you get are through people within the organization. So they become, you know, a love letter of how good you know, player X is, and it's based on what the organization is telling you. And it's like, okay, yeah, I know you think he's good, but what does, you know, an unbiased person think? Mm -hmm. So it's tough. And then you talk to these guys and they're so bitter. They are so bitter of, of, you know, kind of losing their job and livelihood. 
Uh, and I've actually I worked back when I worked full time at a fairly senior position. And I worked for a company at a very large sales force. And what helped me make connections is a lot of the guys you know, were starting to have a family and they couldn't live off of the $28,000 a year uh, scouting salary. That's what it was. Uh-huh. And being gone for 160 days out of the year, you know, traveling. And I would get them jobs in our sales force. And I probably got really? two or three dozen people jobs. And they would call one guy texted it, texted me from, um, from we had a president's club where, you know, all the I'm sure you're familiar with that. We have a great sales year. You make your quota. You get to go to a nice trip. And he was texting me from a boat that he was on a cruise in the Caribbean. No, in, in the Mediterranean and just wanted to thank me for getting him out of baseball. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. So, wow. so you make those connections. And then when COVID hit, everybody lost their jobs. I literally had dozens of people looking for jobs, asking me if they could hook hook me up, and it was that it became awkward because then it was like, no, I really can't because you won't be successful doing that job, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it's it's yeah, my real job and my baseball job kind of melded and and kind of interwove throughout the last ten to twelve years, and it it really helped. So yeah, doing that now I understand even more. I did not know that part of this. The yeah. story, and that explains more about how when you help somebody like that, yeah, you're going to get more information out of them. It, it, it becomes like the it becomes like the Dynasty League Constitution. It just <laughs> goes by wonderful. Hey, call this Wilson guy up. He got me a six figure uh, salary job, and it wasn't me. It was you know, these guys doing the whole thing, and they mm-hmm. were selling, not me. So they were they were, and we love to hire ex uh, sports guys, right? Because they had you know that. You know, getting the door slammed in their face, you know, they were used to that. <laughs> so it was, it, uh, it worked out well. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. One last question here before we get into the top hundred. Uh, how much did you factor in organizations uh, players sign with when making a lot of your ranks? Because I, I like to use the Rockies as the example, because they've been so frustrating, but you know, the, the, the Orioles was another one with pitchers. How much have, oh, before this new regime came in, how much do you take, put that into account? Uh, well, I, I take into account the organization's ability to develop players. So the Rays do a great job, and I mm-hmm. give a lot of credence to that. And obviously, the Dodgers, the proof's in the pudding with that. Um, the Rockies do an okay job at developing players. They just are completely screwed up at the major league level. That's where that's what first frustrates fantasy players and Rockies fans. Players are fine. I mean, they are who they are. Uh, you know, Cleveland with their pitching. You know, you, yes. you have a it, it, the, some of the ones that are obvious. Milwaukee can't develop players, so that's a problem, right? I mean, Trent Grisham is the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, so you do take that in, into consideration. Um, but you know, I don't look at it necessarily guys getting blocked like all the shortstops in Cleveland. Oh, he's they're blocked by Francisco uh, Lindor. Well, guess what happened? Lindor moved on, and now it's wide open, and they've got they've got six or seven guys that might take that job one day, and we're going to find out who does. That's kind of like a catch twenty two with the Dodgers. It seems like when their prospects, like Gavin Lux, for example, old very talented prospect, but. Being in the Dodge and you trust the system for for, for make developing these guys, but 
a guy like Lux or you got to come up and perform whenever you come up because you're such a good organization that's deep, you could end up getting buried real quick. Yeah, see, the way I look at it, and, and this is my advantage I have by understanding prospects and actually knowing some of the people that work in the organizations, I have a mm-hmm. good sense for if these guys are going to make it. What I have a bad sense for, because I don't spend any time doing it, is actually playing the game. Tim's mm-hmm. way better at that, actually looking at playing time and figuring out, I can tell you that this player, what I think he's going to do, and feel pretty confident about what I think he's going to do, but then I forget about playing time. Mm-hmm. So I will constantly be looking at a guy, this is what I think is skill level is and Tim will go well but he needs a trade and I go well yeah but that will eventually happen sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't but the good systems develop can identify sign and develop players and if you don't believe me look at Jordan Alvarez signed by the Dodgers never played and never had an at bat with the Dodgers because the because the Astros came in swooped in and got him to be a throw-in in a trade and they wanted the player badly enough, and he went on to be Rookie of the Year. And that just shows you that the embarrassment of riches they had. So, it's, but they identified the player and brought him in. Yeah, they are by they're the gold standard in sports to have. I think Baseball America just put out their team rankings, and I think the Dodgers were number one. Did you see that yesterday? I think that I was not. just yesterday or the last couple of days. They're they're up there at the top. If they're not number one, they're right there, and to have that good of a major league system and still have this incredibly deep farm system just shows how well they're run gold standard. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, you can talk about what the Padres have done, but it's really in a short, a short sample size. And then you have to argue after Fernando Tatis, which is a big one. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys were brought in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so There's a lot of trades. Yeah. Preller, I think it was, you know, in the last five years, Preller, yeah, I think it was 2015, 2016 when he made that run getting beat or Justin Upton and all those guys. And then they sold them all off and, you know, made a lot of really good trades the last few years and brought a lot of those guys in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the past with this top hundred, I have heard you say that your list is not a fantasy list or a real life list, but kind of a hybrid in between. Would you still call your list this year a hybrid? I I pretty much have gone to the dark side and everything is pretty it's it's all based on fantasy because you know, 90% of my readers are fantasy and you know Keith Law and, and those guys it's the same with them it's just very few fans and and the fans of the individual team they're going to read more the um individual um, isolated uh, team capsules they're not going to care about where my guy is from a top 100 so that doesn't surprise me, and that's why I wanted to ask this, even though I think you just said that last year about the hybrid. When I mm-hmm. looked at your list this year, I thought it felt a little more fantasy-related than before. I saw less pitchers and less catchers than usual, and you know, those guys are usually pushed up higher on Baseball America lists. And I just, I felt like I could tell a little difference, and I wanted to ask that. Nope. Uh, it should have been the same as last year. Those The philosophy has been growing um, I, I like catchers because I play in all two catcher leagues mm-hmm. and I think catchers, people undervalue them. Um, now one catcher leagues. Okay. But my argument is why are you playing in one catcher leagues? Mm-hmm. So yes, step up. <laughs> I like the two catcher leagues. I do prefer that. Um, uh, except for daily daily two catcher leagues can be real tough. 
But oh, well, that's but that's a completely different game. Yes, yes. Uh, One thing that really stuck out to me when looking at your top twenty-five is there's a lot of close proximity to the big leagues. Of those Uh twenty-five players, I felt like there's a pretty good chance, just scrolling down, that twenty-plus of those guys are playing in the majors by the end of next year, twenty twenty-two. Would you agree with that assessment? I I haven't looked at it through that lens, but uh, I think when I did the, gosh, I did so many podcasts and I got tired (laughs) of talking about them. Um, It it, it felt like, because I remember going through the top 10 and saying who would be the next guy and maybe Julio Rodriguez doesn't. He's number six with the Mm -hmm. top five. We're going to be in the big leagues. Rosarina is. And I said Marco Luciano, probably the best chance to be the number one guy. So you don't usually see that, right? Where you've got, you know, your top six, seven guys are likely going to be in the big leagues. And then it's, it's sprinkled on down there. And a lot of that, Justin, is because uh, so many players still have rookie eligibility and that's what allows them to get on the list they still have mm-hmm. to be rookie of the year eligible so you get the Tariq Scoobles and the Christian Pache's and Nate Pearson's of the world who you know in a normal season wouldn't have had um, rookie eligibility anymore that's a good point that's a real good point because how did they actually do that are they still just saying 150 at bats 50 innings even though it was a 60 game season it's 135 at yes. bats, 50 innings, and 45 days on a major league roster. That was that was the only change they made. Uh, so 45 days historically doesn't include the month of September. So I can be up for all of August and all of September prior to last year and still have rookie eligibility as long as I have less than 135 at bats. This year, because of the shortened season, they included those games played in September at towards that 45-day count. But yeah, those guys would have been up in May, and yeah, they would not yeah. be. I had not thought about that in terms of the proximity and that pushing you know, more prospects right now, more prospect-eligible guys than normal. Yeah, I mean, look at Sixto Sanchez. I mean, come on. Like, that guy... <laughs> That guy looked like a monster out there, and it's like he's still rookie eligible. Yeah, Weird, but yeah, he is. Um, who's the hitter and pitcher? I thought I'd ask you to pick one of each in the top twenty-five that you're the biggest fan of. This doesn't mean have to mean that they're the best on the list, but who are the guys you're like most in on? Uh, well, I'm glancing through. You gave me the notes ahead of time, as a good host would do, and of course, I didn't really prepare you're a busy guy but the two guys that and i'm going to go towards the end not to say wander franco um and i seem to be high man on these guys and it's edward cabrera with the with Mm -hmm. the marlins and um i'm going to say bobby witt jr um i think people think of bobby witt jr go oh you know we've been hearing about him forever he was in that weird draft year of 2019 where he only got a chance to play a little bit and then missed all of and people have forgotten about him. The guy's really good. I've seen him play. I've talked about him at nauseum uh, that this is an alpha male and the confidence and the, and the makeup is off the charts. And, you know, we can take a look at all the metrics that we want in the world, but man, I'm telling you guys that got a, a motor that can't, that won't stop uh, and the makeup to boot. Uh, give me those guys and the fact that he's uber talented over many of these other other players. Yeah, I just listened to a podcast of yours where I heard you talking about Cabrera basically being the next sick. But you think uh, like 
over six, though, you think? Uh, or yep. what were you saying the next one, basically? Yeah, if I if I had courage, balls, whatever whatever phrase you want to use, <laughs> it, you know, I, I would have put him over, um, you know, Sixto Sanchez. But, I mean, Sixto Sanchez was striking guys out with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. So, I mean, that would have been kind of crazy. But, I mean, here's a guy that has – the stuff is the, – the velocity is as good. The movement is better, and he's six foot six. Yeah. So I mean, he's got the size that you want. More athletic. Blah. He's he's on paper he's got better skills than what Sixto Sanchez has. But I mean, Sanchez did it at the big league level. And Sixto, you were talking about just the other day on your podcast about how his fastball is straight right now. And Take it, a look at yeah, look at look at Statcast, and it, there's not a lot of movement. Wasn't that very similar to Garrett Cole early in his career? I was I was thinking about that in my head because I was like, is that something that can be developed and improve? Uh, we we uh, you know I we could pause the podcast and go out Statcast and take a look at what Garrett Cole's movement was now. But you're right, he had a very very straight fastball. It was actually a very clean delivery, so there wasn't any deception at all in his delivery. I don't recall if the fastball was moving, I'm guessing it was. Yeah, it could uh, be different. Um, so, but I definitely remember his lack of deception because it was, it's the Jim Palmer ideal kind of uh, delivery that everybody, you know, when they, they draw it up at uh, little league camp, this is how you're supposed to pitch. That's how Garrett Cole pitches. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. He's athletic and it all comes together. But, you know, it took him a while probably to develop some of that deception so that people couldn't see what was coming. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not at all implying that just because Garrett Cole turned a corner, that, that means Sixto will do the same thing. It was something I was curious as I just now remember. Garrett, Garrett Cole's 6'4". Yes. 6'5". boy. Sixto Sanchez is six feet, six one. Yeah. And, you know, look, I have a bias. And, you know, you, it is a numbers game, particularly when playing fantasy baseball, no matter how hard you throw, if you're sick, you can't change the fact that you're six feet tall. Yes. And everybody wants to throw out, well, Pedro Martinez was 5'11", or whatever. Yeah. Okay. There's always those exceptions. I'm going to play by the odds that, that six of Sanchez is going to be more homer prone than you think. If the fastball's fairly straight, which the data uh, proves that out, he has a chance to be a three more than he has a chance to be a one. You just don't see many little guys excelling for a long stretch of time. I'm a Cardinal fan, and I live really close to Double A Springfield. Actually, I just live that's a, I'm in a suburb of Springfield, and Carlos Martinez was I got to see him pitch coming up, and he looked filthy. Little young Pedro was the comps, is what a lot of people were saying, and you know those guys just don't hold up. I mean, yeah. he's dealt with shoulder issues for years now, and. Yeah, Carlos might be a little bit of a knucklehead too to go in with it, and, but still, it's just hard for those guys to hold up. Yes, and uh, yeah, if you read some of my early stuff about Carlos Martinez, you know th that was that was always what I was worried about. And plus, I mean, the delivery is so violent that mm -hmm. control was always was always my big concern about him as well. So, okay, well, let's do a negative, and again. This might be putting you on the spot, but who inside of your top 50 do you feel maybe strongly about because you've got them in your top 50, but do you have worries about this person possibly being a bust? Yeah, I mean, if well, first of all, Jazz Chisholm could be like a stud, but 
there's a greater chance that he's going to never make it. Yeah. So that's an easy one. But let me give you a guy maybe a little controversial. Um, I think that Joey Bart is overrated. Okay. That's a good one. So, and I think he'll be a fine catcher. I keep comping him to Mickey Tettleton. Some, some years he'll hit 250, but he's going to settle into a 220, 230 guy with a, you know, maybe a 300 on base percentage and hit 20 to 22, 23 home runs. I think people believe he is Buster Posey. He's just not. You know, the, the guy going through my head, cause I own, I picked him up everywhere. I played in more shallow leagues back then, but I, I, I this is a gross quote. That's going to make a lot of people cringe, but JP Aaron Sibia just came to mind with no. that, uh, with that big strikeout rate coming up, but he hit home runs and yeah. yeah. Ugh. And Nick Nick Madrigal obviously at forty two. I mean, there's no point talking about him because we all know the we all know what he can bring, and we all know the warts. Yes. And uh, the warts might might make him a you know a utility guy. Yes, I um just listened the other day to your mock draft podcast where you had Robert Mershak and Tim and all you guys were talking about him, and I'm completely on board with all you guys. I don't want any part of him. I just you got to steal forty fifty bags for me to be in on you if you're not going to be providing power and i just don't i'm not confident in that so i just i it's hard to build a team around him yeah well you can't build a team well you have to build a team around him because he's so unique yes that's you want to build a team around mike trout you don't want to build a team around you know a light hitting second baseman that's kind of bass backwards right so it's that's what's tough but he's also fun to own i do own him on one fantasy league and it's like oh this is a challenge can i make this Mm -hmm. work so, all right. If you could plant your flag on a few players outside of your top 50, who could, who you think could end up inside the top 10 in a few years, who would they be? Uh, Brennan Davis is one at 61. Mm, yeah. Um, the got great fantasy upside from a power speed combination. We'll, we'll see. I mean, this year should tell us if he's going to be a top 25 guy or not, because he'll hit double A and we'll see if he can, uh, if he can hit Christian Robinson um, could be Jazz Chisholm, Monty Harrison, or he could really be the real deal uh, and turn out to be, um, you know, Ronald Acuna. I mean, it's, there's a wide range in there as well, but uh, there's the upside there is very, very interesting. Yeah. Robinson is very he's one of those guys that gets talked about a lot because you, you, you can close your eyes and see some superstar, but you also, it, does the bat get there? I'm going to say number 68, uh, and, and people hate catchers and I get it. Uh, but Francisco Alvarez, everybody I've talked to who's seen this guy play just like oozes, like this guy's, this guy's going to be a star. I mean, just the flat out there's, there's no hesitation. Um, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. Francisco Alvarez. I just traded him about two weeks ago in a dynasty league. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know him anywhere. I had the opportunity to pick him up before anybody knew about him. I just, I wasn't buying into it, but my understanding is he, he can just flat out hit. Yeah. I, it's a one catcher league. So I, I, and I, I got a pretty good return back. I don't remember what, so no regrets right now, maybe in a couple mm-hmm. of years I will. Yep. Uh, um, do you have a few guys that just missed your top hundred, but wanted to add here that you'd like them, but couldn't squeeze them in? 
yeah, Tim and I talked about this. Let's see. I have a spreadsheet. Let me bring the spreadsheet. The Michael Bush from the Dodgers was. Yeah, he's one. trendy. Uh, is he trendy? Yeah, he's trendy right now. I've been seeing a lot of talk from people about him, that he's moving up lists. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I guess I don't. Wanna, I don't like to be trendy. So <laughs> I'm let me sorry. Get somebody else who is. Uh, um, Tristan Cassis uh, uh-huh. just missed. Oh, here's one. Uh, Herdaldo Perdomo, uh, the young shortstop with Arizona. Yeah, Diamondbacks. yeah. He's a guy that uh, just missed. Jaron Duran just missed. Mm-hmm. And uh, public articles are suggesting, you know, that, uh, in other words, at Boston Globe, I think, says he's having a remarkable uh, winter league. So I've been following it, but, uh, Jaron Duran, I think a guy that might, uh, see some time this year. Uh, Tim's guy, Shane McClanahan. Uh, I like Joe Ryan as well. Uh, both pitchers from Tampa Bay. So I haven't there's heard of some... Joe Ryan. That's one. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I don't know that guy. I'm going to have to look into him. Yeah, there's a we've got the prospect 361. There's a nice little write up about Joe Ryan. I own him in a bunch of leagues, so uh, yeah, he's not a he's not going to be a one, but uh, he's kind of in that gaining helium like uh, Tariq Skubal did. Okay. So. All right, I need to move quick here. Don't want to waste all your time. Um, first year player draft stuff. Um, you are the first person I've seen. You just put. I should re- rewind. You're the first. You put out your first year player draft post what about two weeks ago is that right yes okay you're the first person i've seen who does first year player draft rankings that has austin martin at number one over torkelson and mm-hmm. while that might be eye-opening to some i do have to give you some credit you were the first person and only person that i heard on a podcast a few years ago say something like don't be surprised if Bo Bichette ends up being a better fantasy player than vlad jr mm-hmm. and here we are a few years later and that's what's happened and is the rationale similar here in terms of Torque being the power power batting average guy and Martin being the more well-rounded? Uh, well-rounded, uh, okay. So, speed. well, he's got the speed, right? Yeah. Uh, well-rounded does have a position. So if you're talking from a baseball standpoint, I mean, he could fall into a super, super utility guy, right? Because he's he doesn't excel anywhere you know defensively so he kind of is a man without a without a position which you never like to hear fantasy players don't care but becomes important so yeah i own um, nick solak in a few dynasty leagues and that does matter yeah so but also martin can really hit torkelson has i mean it might be a half grade better hit tool Uh, i've seen both of them play torkelson's definitely got more power but austin martin's got speed and you know again it was vlad had the 80 grade hit tool but Bichette had a 70 grade hit tool. So mm-hmm. it was like, this guy might hit 300 too. So don't be surprised. We haven't seen the best yet of Vlad. If he's in shape, I think we're going to see the best of Vlad. Um, Austin Martin is a bit risky, but I'm, I'm going to stand by the guy who I think has better tools. Uh, and he is the higher risk guy, but you know, that's how you win leagues. You have to, you know, if you would have taken Bo Bichette in front of Vlad Jr., you'd probably have a better chance to win your league than by taking Vlad Jr. Not that mm-hmm. Vlad Jr. is a, a bad player. I think Austin Martin will provide more fantasy-friendly tools than Spencer Torkelson, and that's that's where I'm going. Particularly if he's in the outfit. If he plays center field, yeah, it's going to be money. Yeah. 
Good for you. I, that's what's fun about your ranks is you are not afraid to go against the grain. You you basically there's a big community of people that do this stuff, but I I think sometimes they they're less likely to go away from the grain. And that's what I really like about your sites is you you will go with what you believe. Well, I appreciate that. I, I would tell you that's come with experience, right? So I, I in the in the beginning. I would get my, I would do my ranks. I'd get them out before anybody else did, and then I would see Baseball America come out, Baseball Perspectives. I don't even know if they do uh, prospects anymore. I would look at all this. Go, oh, my is this guy so much? Oh, I'm so stupid. I should have put this guy. You know, because <laughs> you you don't have any confidence in your abilities at all. And it's like, oh, they have better sources than me. They've seen this guy, and then you realize, now nah, they that same. They're talking to the same guys I am, mm-hmm. and then you just get more confidence. And when you see these players you just feel okay look let let me go with what i know and what i believe and and put them out there and if i'm wrong i'm wrong you know and i was wrong about lewis brinson you know okay well i'm wrong about that but i've been right about other guys so you know it's not you're not going to bat a hundred you know a thousand but uh i kind of like the approach that i try to take and that is to be try to be smart and a aggressively smart just not go let me just be cute let me put uh, uh videl brujan in front of uh wander franco that's just trying to make a name for yourself mm-hmm. that's dumb right but to say that uh you know marco luciana might have higher upside than wander franco which i already said i think is real yeah and anybody it it sounds easy to do but if you take down a write down a get a blank sheet of paper or an excel spreadsheet and try and make it in your ranks on your own it's not as easy as you think it is it's it's hard it's it's a very difficult thing to do yeah there's and everybody asks i mean how do you do it and i'm you know my whole life is is consumed in spreadsheets i mean you would be mm-hmm. shocked like i mean it's like everything my life is run by numbers uh and the prospect when i rank them they're not right because i don't score the guys because you can't right because you don't know what they're working on Mm -hmm. in the minor leagues you know this this guy has a fastball but you know we don't have the stat cast public stat cast data yet that the teams have so you have to kind of root around and find out if the guy has any movement on his fastball maybe he didn't throw enough change-ups last year but maybe he was told not to to work on his curve so there's so many so much stuff that you just don't know about what the player is doing to kind of give an empirical view of it is very difficult so i wind up making it a little mushy going okay i know wander franco was one <laughs> i know i want to put these four guys in there somewhere where and then you just start going through and going i love Tarek scuba i'm going to put him in front of casey mize uh, and, and then you start putting them in there and you go i can't put casey mize below this guy it doesn't make any sense and then things kind of naturally kind of work and then you cross your fingers and hope you got it right okay um zach veen i he's a very intriguing player due to his skill set and the fact that he should have the opportunity to play his home games and cores but as we've talked about, Colorado's had some rough prospects the last few years once they've gotten to the big leagues. I remember Brandon Rogers being a top 10 guy on a lot of lists. Is Veen just that good that you're choosing to overlook the Rockies and bet on the talent? What's wrong with the Rockies? It's more they they get all these guys and they whenever the, it, I think it's when they get to the big leagues, they just get messed with. Ryan McMahon, who end up, may not end up being that good, we don't know. Hampson was this guy that was really trendy 
And then Rodgers has come up, and they, it seems like he, if he goes 0 for 4 for three games, all of a sudden they're pushing him to the back, and they just don't give these guys a shot for two months. All right. Well, first of all, Rodgers has been hurt. That's um, true. That's a guy they that, – that, look, I know some of the people in the Rockies organization, and they're, they're really smart people, right? I mean, they're, they're good people. They know what they're doing. Um, what they're doing at the major league level, I, 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 I can't explain that. But um, McMahon is a guy that they thought would be better than he is. Mm-hmm. And he's not panned out. Garrett Hampson, they view him as a, as a utility guy. Fantasy community wants him to be more because mm-hmm. uh, because of the speed, but they view him as a utility guy. Now you could say, well, that's wrong. He he's better than that. And I think I've said that on the podcast, but that's how they view him. And you know, so is that screwing with their development? I don't think so. That's just how they've concluded what those players are. There's people in the Braves organization who's a very good system that think that Drew Waters is a is a fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. So I remember you, know, you mentioning that last so, year. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot not everybody, you know, there's there's very few Mike Trouts that come through the world going, this guy has a chance to be special and every everybody just pushes him right along. There's a lot of guys that they get to these meetings and you know, there, there's difference of opinions, which you want, and then they decide. So I, I don't think it's a Rockies development process. It is a Rockies making the wrong decision, conclusion about a player and burying that player. Then again, you know, I, I don't think they've done that with Hampson. I think ultimately he's probably a utility guy. Uh-huh. We'll see with Rogers, Ben Hurt, and McMahon hasn't worked out. Now, I think Veen is uh, probably more like um, – um, probably, probably more like Brendan Rogers than he's the other guys. I think that he's got the best of the hit tools. Not, uh, he's not McMahon. who's always struck out too much. Okay. So, he uh, can really hit. Yeah. I, I, he seems like a very, very intriguing guy as these first year player drafts are coming. Um, you know, the, the other problem with the Rockies started to dwell on this, and I think I've mentioned this multiple times in every article I write they're um so they're um they're not rookie ball it's advanced rookie ball that they used to have was out in the mountains it was out in the Rockies in the mountains right so it was high elevation they played in a the Pioneer League where everything was you know two three thousand feet above sea level balls were yep. flying out they played low way in Asheville, North Carolina, which is in the mountains. Beautiful town, funky town, great restaurants, but the balls fly. And I've been to it many times, right? Double, uh, see, so high A was in Lancaster, which is probably the most homer prone baseball stadium and all of baseball, including Coors Field and, and uh, Albuquerque and all those places. It, the balls just fly out. Double A was in Hartford, which was a neutral site. And then they go out to um, Colorado Springs, yep. which is the high desert. Balls fly out there. So you never got a chance to figure out if the player was any good. The offensive player, because every time you looked at a stat line, everything was flying out. Yeah. I think as they've realigned, they're no longer in Lancaster. They've I Oh, think, they're not? Uh, no, that, that place has been, I don't know if it's going to be shut down, but uh, there's no affiliate in there now. Oh. So they're going to, they're trying to get to more neutral sites because they had a philosophy. We'll make everything like Coors Field, 
And what happened is the pitchers got destroyed and lost complete confidence yeah. and the hitters all thought they were Babe Ruth and, you know, and, you know, they just thought they were all going to hit 400. And, you know, once they got the really good pitching, it didn't work out that well. So, uh, so that's been a part of their development pro- problems as well. They had all these crazy fields. Yeah. As somebody trying to research this stuff, just watching, I've tried paying a lot of attention to when they were in double A specifically because that one felt like it was different than all the other parks coming up and let's see what they're doing there yeah the eastern league is my favorite league it is the the most fair league of all the ballparks um reading is, is kind of a hitter's park mm-hmm. but most of them are play very fairly so you get a chance to like i saw mookie betts multiple times when he was in double a this is back before people really knew who mookie betts was this is back before people really writing about prospects yep you know you have myself and a handful of other people and maybe you heard the name mookie because it was a fun name you know they thought of mookie wilson but nobody really knew who this guy was and i saw him i was like oh my gosh this guy's going to be a star you could just tell the bat speed was there and you know he was just lightning fast and you know he was playing second base at the time. So it was a fair environment to see him in it. Like you go to Lancaster and the wind is blowing 30 miles an hour. They used to have to cancel games because the wind was too high. Oh, I mean, wow. Think of that. I mean, you don't hear that very often, right? I mean, that was all the time because I would, I would drive up from Los Angeles and spend a couple of days there. So I want to spend the night and I'd have to call the, you know, the night before I went up to make sure there was going to be a game. Like, you know, what's the weather forecast going to be like? Am I going to be able to see two games? And you'd have to go by that because the wind would just gust. Wow. So. Rich, you have 25 players listed on your article, and eight of them are pitchers on this first-year player drafts. Of those eight, how many do you think have the potential to be the most valuable guy in this list? Um, first of all, I thought the first year, um, the internationals and the um, and the draftees, the Rule Four draftees in June was it was it was a it wasn't a great year. Uh, this year, 2021, the June draft is going to be awesome. Yeah. So, okay. so having that as a backdrop, the question is, are there going to be any pitchers that I think will be stars? Yep. Do you, do you how what many what do you mean by stars? Is there Garrett Cole here? No. Uh, just like who do you think has the potential to be the most valuable in this class? Not as much as in star who's like the best, like, like a Garrett Cole, but who do you think has the potential to be the best? I think Asa Lacey has a chance to be the best. He's got the best arm. Uh, he's a lefty. You know, Tariq Skubal kind of comes to mind as to mm-hmm. you know recent kind of chance. Max Meyer, six foot tall. Worry about that. He's the second guy off the list, right? Emerson Hancock is, uh, you know, he does. He's a fastball changeup guy. Doesn't have a slider. So there's questions about a lot of these pitchers, and that's just the three in the top ten. Okay. Reed Detmers is probably at number twelve. Is um, kind of low risk. I think he's going to be a major league player, but it could be Andrew Heaney. And you go, oh, Andrew Heaney's a nice pitcher. Yeah, that's Reed Detmers. And kind okay. of a nice pitcher. You know, nothing like you're not going to be wondering if he's ever going to make it to the third round. I, I can't see that happening. So if you're if you're looking for a guy that's close because maybe you got a competitive team and you're just looking for guys that can, you know, be a solid pitcher in your rotation, Detmers might be a guy to move up. Okay. Yeah, I I would go after Asa Lacey. I think he has the best chance to be a number two. 
Okay. Which is, I think, what you want in fantasy, right? So yes. if I take a look at the six dynasty leagues I play in, that's unbelievable. And I don't do well in all of them. So uh, even though I came up with the rules and supposed to know the process because I don't play the game very well, I, I've got those teams that I've got really good, uh, really good teams. I've got three, maybe four number two, at least number two pitchers. And uh, that's what you need. Yes. Yeah, you need those high-end guys. And yeah, my right. dyna- both of my dynasty leagues, I've got a lot of those low-end one, high-end two guys right now. And it's, you know, finally getting competitive in those leagues. And you never trade your star pitchers away. Never, yeah. ever, ever, never. Like, uh, like, like I had, I've had Jacob DeGrom in a bunch of leagues from birth. And uh, I'm just happy, you know. I've I've had him all the way, and I've just enjoyed it. And I'll I'll keep him until he becomes Max Scherzer and is 37 and no longer effective. There so. you go. Uh, who outside of your top ten is a player you're really intrigued with? Uh, we're not going to talk about Hassan Kim. Uh, I I I was I didn't have it on the list, but if you got something you want to add, I I, I, I want to ask you, what do you think of Hassan Kim? I don't where know. You, where do you? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Nobody knows. Are you as scared to death of, of Asian players as I am, or am I just doing it because I too close to Tim and I I hear it on a daily basis? I listen to every podcast. I keep your guys' list, so I hear Tim talk about them. Yes, I'm scared, especially because with Kim even more than most, because if he comes in and isn't performing, that's a team that's competing, and he could get moved to the back. Real quick, if he's not what they are hoping he is, because they've got, um, oh shoot, who Cronenworth and Profar, both who could come in and actually get some playing time if he's not performing. So we don't know, and there's risk that if he's not doing well, it's not. This isn't a team that's just going to say, let's just keep putting him out there. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen a guy play. I've I've seen some videos of. He looks fine. Looks looks fine. Yeah, I don't. But there's so many of these guys. I mean, I just saw where Toronto shun somebody. They just uh, they 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 just uh, let go of a player they signed last year, an Asian pitcher, mm-hmm. Yama Yamaguchi or Yamaguchi. I remember Tim talking about how great he was. It's <laughs> like this is it's the same thing every time. The the guys come up. There's all kinds of fanfare, and the pitchers pitch to a six ERA, and the guys bat two thirty with four home runs and three stolen bases, and it's like they're completely forgotten about. So Asian guys scare me. So yeah. I, I have nine. I I could be wrong. <laughs> okay. So anybody from eleven to twenty-five there on this list? That well, look, I love I love Pete Crow, love Pete Crow Armstrong. I think he's really going to hit. Yeah, uh, I mean there there is some uh, Nemo-esque type of downside risk. Will he hit enough to uh, to be a full-time regular? Uh, so I do worry about that. But it, guys, fast and defense is going to keep him around for a long time, and I, you kind of like that. Um, let's see. A little further down, I, I love Pedro Leon from Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, still have a few contacts out there, particularly in, in the Latin international ranks, and they went hard after Leon for, for what it's worth. Uh, and also the the other two uh, Latin guys, Wilman Diaz and Carlos Colmenorans. Uh I think both of those guys have a chance to be pretty good as well. So I, 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 I kind of like, you know, if you kind of get down to, you know, the K. Cavili and Heston Jerstack and those guys, I'm like, uh, I maybe I'd go with, uh, you know, I'd take the high upside and the 16 year old kid. Yeah. 
Diaz specifically, the Dodgers just have such a good track record. I think that's where I do start thinking about that when it gets to these guys. I mean, you got to have the skills to actually do it because they have plenty of guys that never make it. But I do, I do take notice whenever they're they with the guys they spend the international money to sign, and they paid him pretty good money, didn't they? The wild, yes, yeah, they did. the The wild card is Jerstad, right? I know the Orioles took him second or third, wherever mm-hmm. they picked. Yep. So he's got, but no, everybody's trashing him, right? Because nobody thinks he'll hit. But mm-hmm. man, I'm t- I, I know those guys in the Orioles front office. I knew them when they were out in Houston. Those guys are really smart. Uh, so they they're they're not going to take him if they don't think they that he's he's going to amount to something. So you know, back to one of your original questions. I mean, do you bet on the organization? I think you start to bet on the Orioles organization, and they might know what they're doing. It's just like. I'm I'm too scared to to like totally get behind your stat. It's like, uh, wow, I've seen the guy swing. It looks like he's swinging uphill with an axe. I mean, it's not good, but maybe they've got it. Maybe they can figure it out. Maybe they see something like we can fix this and we can turn this into a player. Well, every organization, I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> anybody say they can't fix a guy's delivery, a guy's swing. I mean, every pitching coach, batting coordinator thinks they can do that and i mean many of them can right they're really really talented at what they do sometimes it's just you know you can't it, it, it can't work so yeah. just that is a guy who i find intriguing for the sole reason that uh the orioles picked them early they paid him a lot of money a little under a slot i believe uh but let's let's see what happens let's see if they can turn him into something okay well rich Thank you so much for coming on. This has been wonderful to get you on here. And I mean, you have so many contacts and so much insight and you get to so many games that I've been wanting to get you for with one of these top hundreds. And last year I was moving whenever all this was going on and it's good to finally get you on. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I just hope we can get the games this year. I mean, uh, I got to zero last year. It was the first time. And I can't even remember one year I went to over a hundred games and to think that last year I didn't go to, I went to zero, zero games. <laughs> it's, de- so. it's depressing. And, yeah. you know, I, same here, double A Springfield's here. And last year was supposed to be the year that um, I was going to be planning on stalking Julio Rodriguez all summer. And there, there went that opportunity. I mean, I was going to write down on my calendar every day that, because the team he plays with the Seattle organization that's in the double A, they come to Springfield a lot. I was really looking forward to that last year. And I hope I still get that opportunity. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably start the year in triple A. I don't even know. Uh, You've got to check all the affiliates, right? Because they've all changed. That's true. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's one. I don't get out to the Midwest that often. So it's just not an area. I'm not going to St. Louis that much. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, do you but want hopefully, to we'll, hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have games, and I mean, I, I think the CDC just said, and I couldn't believe this, Justin, that uh, that once you have the both vaccines, you're good for three months, and you got to start if you around somebody that's got the virus, and you should you should be self quarantine. I'm like, really, what? <laughs> really? That's what they said today. I'm <sighs> like, I, I thought this was all behind us. No, <laughs> it's like, okay, I get one every year, but the, the, am I going to have to play these? Come on, am I going to sit in a stand with my mask on? That's not going to be any fun. No, no, it's not. We have, yeah. uh, just 
And you huh. can't even the iPhone. If you have an iPhone, you can't face facial recognition. That doesn't work. Yep. Oh, everything, yes. Everything's screwed up. So everything's different. I miss going to the gym. That's one of the things I cut just because there's just so much, so many people in those gyms and I've been waiting to get the vaccine to go back. And now I hear that. I'm like, Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't got mine yet. I gave up my uh slot for my son. So he uh he took my slot, so I'm have having to wait. So, but I think everybody says by the end of March they believe that the supply will will be in front of the demand. So hopefully we'll be able to be all good in a, six weeks or so. Yeah, I heard anyway. you saying something about Johnson and Johnson possibly being able to mass produce them or something. So my understanding, um uh, little I know about it is so JJ gets approved in about two weeks, assuming they get approved and their first tranche is only like 20 million, but there's only one shot variety of that, but they're supposed to have a hundred million done by June 1st. And Pfizer, I think has really stepped up. They're, they're flooding, starting to flood the market with it. But in my understanding by April 1st, there should be 200 million shots available. Oh, good. So deal. we should all, should all be good. About the time baseball's starting up, we should at least have one shot in the arm. So maybe they'll start let fan, start letting large fan bases in, in in June. And I don't know. We can watch the baseball. To, you probably have to flash whether you've gotten the shot or not, I'm assuming. Yeah. They're going to – yeah. Okay. Uh, anything you want to plug? What's coming up on Prospect 361, either the podcast or the website in the next coming weeks? Uh, what's coming up? So Tim and I do, we got a show tomorrow. It's an all request show. So it is a, um, Twitter question. We, we answer to it. We've already got 30 questions. So I'll pick the best 10 or so, ask them to Tim. Uh, and then Sunday's our normal show. I believe we're doing outfield. So we're doing our positional players. Tim's doing his rankings. So we have outfielders in the following week is, uh, pitchers, then relief pitchers. And then we do, probably a couple three weeks of sleepers yeah yeah we're in the middle of outfielder right now as there's just so many of them <laughs> there's yeah, Tim so says many his, of them its initial cut was 225 or <laughs> something like that I'm like, oh lord i i just look at it, how long is this podcast gonna last right you know so that's yep. that's the way i look at it. like how many how many shows do we do out of this we're doing so. three we are doing three on the outfielders we did one last week and we will have another we'll be recording the other two here soon Oh, I, I never have done three. I've only ever done two. So that's because um, you guys are the pros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. All we do is uh, the record button and keep recording. <laughs> hey, it's worked. And you've built a big old listener base by doing that. So are you are you are you using Spreaker um, right now? We actually we started off on Spreaker and then my wife because she's in the podcasting business, told me to switch over to Red Circle because okay. that you can do everything unlimited recording except it's for free. So I switched over to Red Circle last summer and have been using them since. And do you use Spreaker to publish it? No, um, Red Circle. Oh, okay. Red Circle and it's free of cost and I don't see any limitations. And actually what I liked is when we were using Spreaker, you could only put like it would only for I think I was paying six, seven bucks a month. It wasn't anything too big, but you could only at that rate, you would only have the most 50 recent podcasts available to download. And so when I went to Red Circle, I was really happy to see that we could actually all of them would be on there. 
See, this is where it's nice to be a big podcast because we get we're one of uh, Spreaker's largest uh, uh, properties. So uh-huh. nothing, we don't pay for anything. So oh, good. Yeah, they actually, yeah, they actually pay us to be on the platform. <laughs> that's where so having that's, a following's good. Yeah, that that's that works well because I get, um, I mean, I get hit up by you know all their companions. I've never gotten hit up by Red Circle. Uh, and everybody's offering this, that, and the other, and it's just like, but I got to change my feed, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you know, I, I, no, I don't. <laughs> it's too hard. Well, the quality's not as good. I'm like, I, I don't really care. I just hit the Tim. Tim knows how to use the software. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> you know, my wife is the pro, and she will tell me, it's like, you could have better sound if you do this and this. I'm like, I don't. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I, I I love messing around with the technology and I love Tim 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 McLeod like is my brother. I really do. He and I are extremely close. Justin like dealing with him and the technology is <laughs> it, it's we laugh about it no lie. It is it's a freaking nightmare. <laughs> it's a labor of love you do. It's a labor of love and and it's it's funny. It's like so, so I literally hold my breath every time I call him on Skype. Please pick up. Please pick up. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually now got uh, so he got a new computer and he was all excited because the old computer was slow and he was not very happy with it. so he gets this new computer I call the new computer and it's got a hum on it so there's some kind of feedback that's going mm-hmm. on with his his microphone I'm like Tim we got to figure out what this is so we spend like an hour trying to find like so he goes I know I'll just go back to the old one to do the um to do the show once. And now he has his own computer just to handle a Skype call from me. Every <laughs> but there's no hum. It works. And okay. Works. We'll just keep there going with go. that. Well, thank All you. Right. Thank you again, Rich. Really, really appreciate having you on and we need to do this again sooner. Okay. Take care. All right. Take care. And there you have it. That was the interview with Rich Wilson. Thanks again to Rich for coming and joining us. It was definitely a pleasure to get to talk about prospects, fantasy, first-year player draft rankings coming up, and all that good stuff. Andrew and I will be back here soon as we will cover outfielders with part two. So be, be keeping an eye out. We will be back soon. And until then, thank you guys and take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 